0: Let's go, people! Time to play ball. This is Kyle Means, the editorial director of WeAreRicoRadio.com, and today we're getting back into some baseball talk. Uh, we haven't done this since about the first week of the season or so, uh, but we want to get you know get back into baseball because we like baseball around here, and we got quite a few people who are interested in it, including my man Chris Pennant, who. I know you guys, if you follow us, may, uh, you know, see him mostly as a basketball guy. We talk a lot about basketball with Chris. He writes a lot about about uh, basketball as well, but he's also very much into baseball and particularly the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he definitely uh, writes about the White Sox. He's written about the White Sox for his, uh, for a time and uh, still does some, some baseball-related stuff, uh, including his uh, – very nice piece regarding the Tim Anderson controversy that he wrote out uh, uh last month. Uh, you could read that still on wearerego dot com. But uh Chris is gonna gonna come in with me here to talk some socks and uh we're we'll gonna talk some cubs too. Uh you can't uh hardly ignore one without the other here in Chicago, but uh just uh keeping up with the with the North and South side teams. And the pretty interesting time of the year uh, it's probably, you know, you can argue that it's pretty positive time of the year for both sides of town. Um, they're, you know, both teams aren't winning, but one team is in first place, the Cubs, you know, they've had a very, you know, great run of a months, month's run after a very bad first week or two. And uh, the Sox, you know, they they've been scrappy. They, you know, they've won some games late. They've won some games coming from behind. They have they've beat some teams that they arguably shouldn't have beat. And uh, you know, they, you know, they're doing they're doing well. I think for for them, you know, I, there's one tweet that uh, I I definitely had to mention uh, that I saw earlier this week, and. Uh, that uh, shout out to shy Sox fan Mike on Twitter, uh, brought up the record through 34 games, uh, last year, the white Sox were nine and 25. And this year, they're 16 and 18 through 34 games. And they're in the middle now, uh, of a four game set in Cleveland. And they've, you know, done very well against Cleveland so far this season. They're actually losing this current game they're playing. Uh, but, uh, Know that they they won the first two, and they stand a chance to win the series. But uh, Chris, as I bring you in, man, as a Sox fan, you know what? What do you think about the team uh, right now? And you think of a a, a, a seven game progress uh, through uh, the same number of games from last year. That has to be pretty encouraging. Well, seven game improvement is
1: great. Honestly, Uh um, by no stretch of the imagination, can you write that off? There's some things that haven't gone well. Uh, the previous weekend series against the Red Sox was a bit demoralizing as they came back to win the first game, and then they, they lost the next three in the blowouts, all three of them. Uh, one where they let a, a one-run deficit become a, a seven-run deficit. But it's, it's kind of what you expect. From, from this kind of team and it's, it's I, don't, I don't know how these rebuilds go I would that. I don't understand necessarily the scientifics behind them other than you trade off proven players to get assets and you scout those assets and hope they pan out and then you try to get maybe a, uh, a free agent at some point in the line. What I don't understand is how exactly what the timeline is. It's, not a consistent timeline. So there's some people saying the Sox are in a rebuild still. I think there's some people who are saying the Sox are out of their rebuild. And I'm not exactly sure what stage they're in. But this is improvement, which is what anybody wants. Now that being said, I want to be good now, so it's difficult for me hmm. uh, to watch a team that is by all rights still at a uh, mediocrity level and, and that's, no, that's it. Really, can't be a knock on the White Sox. It really can't, because they're not supposed to be good. They're not supposed to be in
0: contention. But I want contention, so that's why it, it gets me. Right. Third place at this stage in the in the in the season
1: is good. I'm not looking for them to win the division, even though the AL Central looks to be uh,
0: a pretty a pretty soft division. It's kind of it's a I. Basic. Uh, you know, I, I saw, um, you know, shout out to the big homie Lawrence Holmes. I saw him talking on Stadium, uh, I believe it was just yesterday, and, you know, he was talking with Michael Kim on there about, you know, this division kind of being for the right for the taking in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's, it's not, not – we shouldn't be – as Sox fans, we shouldn't be like, oh, the White Sox should be division winners or they should be competing even – but when you look at the division over overall, when you look at the fact that they've played over 500 baseball within the division and they have played well against a team like Cleveland, they haven't played much against the twins yet. And the twins are setting the standard in the division so far, but you know, how intimidating are we going to let the twins be really, you know, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's questions to be asked in, in the, along those lines. And I think, you know, I said this in our first uh, baseball uh, broadcast this year. I think the, the Sox do stand a chance to, at least in their division games, play well enough to maybe ask the question as, at a certain point this year. Maybe, you know, do they go for it or, or not? How how do they go for it or not? You know, a lot of the other things are going gonna, to – factor in like health and stuff like that. We are, you know, we probably talk about that in a minute about the health issues that the, that the team has had. But right now this is a team that is dealing with some injuries and they're still in a competitive third place position. So you have to wonder if they were completely healthy and they were in a position to maybe, you know, buy a pitcher, rent a pitcher even for in, in June or July You know, how much, you know, how competitive could they be amongst the division that really doesn't have a standout team?
1: I was thinking about this yesterday because, like I said, the White Sox, I don't, I don't look for them to win the division, but it isn't a far, it isn't a far away conclusion that, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that the Twins or even the Indians are going to automatically win the AL Central. It's they soft right now. The Twins are only the Twins are ten games above five hundred. At the end of the season, that's not much. That's I'm sorry. Oh, 80, 86 and seventy six.
0: Eighty six games isn't a great win. Isn't a great win total for a year. Yeah, and the Indians are two games under and over, and the White Sox are two games under, and the Tigers are a game back of the White Sox. So in in
1: late it's pretty tight. But the Sox are going to be in around 500 team with what they have. And that's with pitching that has not been great. Having said that, there's no – I don't see a need for them to go out and get a big a free agent bat or, or a couple of pitchers or uh, Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner is a free agent coming up in the offseason. I was, I was at the gym and I saw that. And I thought to myself – should they, get, should they reach out for Madison Bumgarner? Should they try and get him in a trade from the Giants? Because people are going to be looking for him. And it seems, at first glance, that with the... Which is now, it's, it's now a question mark. Coach Renato is now a question mark. He's on the injured list again. Yeah. He might be out for the season with Tommy John surgery. And at any rate, even at the start that he got off to this year, which was pretty good, he's just never been able to pitch a full season help. And the left-hander in your lineup, in your uh, sorry, pitching rotation, is what you really want. But what the White Sox would have to give up in their farm system, which is already kind of depleted, considering that Moncada's up now, Eloy Jimenez is up now, Luis Robert might be up before the end of the season, Dylan Cease almost certainly will be. The, what the Giants would want back for Bumgarner, I think, would be something that they can't afford. And so I think they just stay the course with what they have. Maybe, maybe see if there's somebody who's performing in the minor leagues that they have a surplus of in positions. Um, a guy like, even even you know people won't like this, but even a guy like Zach Birdie or um, well, you, you don't want to give up Zach Collins because James McCann and Wellington Castillo aren't long-term solutions to catcher, but. You might see who else you can get that could add to your major league roster next year. With what they've shown so far, next year would be a good time to
0: contend. Yeah, and and that's why, like I'm, I haven't really weighed too much on the the results one way or another. You know, this year I'm glad to see that they have been winning uh, more consistently, but you no. Know, no, for them to, you know, it, it, even if they were more of a, like a, a nine or 10 win team, I'd be like, you know, this, this wasn't the year at any point anyway, especially given the way that they proceeded in the, uh, in the off season, it just didn't provide them any, provide them with the base of talent that they would need to be real competitors. But this is a team, like I said, they, they've showed some heart and, you know, when you you can give. I would be, I would be, for, I would be forgiven of fans if they got a little swept up in uh, in in momentum. But again, but again, you know, you you have something like Rodan's news. You know, the news of Rodan coming in and, and crashing down on your on your head, and you know something like the Red Sox series, which shows just how far the socks, the the White Sox are. From the very best teams in the AL, but you know, again, then they come back here in Cleveland, and they have a very good two-game opening two games with them, and um, you know, you you see Giolito have a nice uh, pitching performance uh, again on Tuesday, and I'm um, just wondering, what do you think about the what do you think about the pitching staff in, in particular? And uh, you know, we could extend that too to like uh, the Dylan C's talk in AAA, and uh, you know, what what do you think about that? That because it doesn't look like they'll be in the mix for Dallas Kaiku, you know, when when that when that market seemingly opens up more, you know, after the draft, you know, then then teams don't have to worry about giving up draft picks for him or nothing, but uh. You know, what do you think about, like I say, the, the the bubbling of that rotation, and what could it what it could look like in maybe a month or two?
1: It's hard to say because the fifth starter slot was always a question mark. Irvin Santana was designated for assignment, so he's gone. He didn't pan out. Uh, Manny Baduelos had a couple of good starts, but he um, really wrecked it against the Red Sox on Saturday. Uh, Dylan Kobe came back in and he was okay. He was okay on Sunday. And he'll always he'll, he's been a guy who's been dependable. There was a point in time last year where he was the White Sox' best starter. But you can't count on that to continue. Uh, but that's just in the fifth starter slot. With Rodan going down, Kobe's going to slide up to that, that three spot. So it'll be Ivan Nova, Ronaldo Lopez, probably Giolito and Kobe, if you need to flip back and forth. And there's just a lot of questions. Everybody in you know, the White Sox had the highest starting ERA uh, coming into this week before Nova pitched an absolute gem on Monday, and then uh, Giolito did the same yesterday. The problem is the White Sox, even with, with Rodon, when he was in, there were, there were starters that walked too many guys, to me, in a no matter what era of baseball you're in, walks are going to hurt your pitching staff. They just are. Definitely. If You get free pulses, if you don't have if you don't make guys swing the bat. Then it's going to hurt you. And especially so in this era where the strikeout has become so much sought after commodity for pitchers. You want to sit guys down without allowing them to make contact, just because the chances of players getting on base when they do make contact. Is more likely. It's more. It's it's more likely now. So the strikeout is more paramount. But when you give up walks, you're putting runners on
0: base without allowing them, without making them hit their way on. Rodon
1: nice. doing a lot. Giolito has been doing it. His new arm angle has cal- has calmed that down somewhat. And those three guys I mentioned—Lopez, Rodon, and Giolito—were in. We're all above double digits for strikeouts per nine innings, but the strikeout to walk ratio was all below three.
0: Okay. It,
1: I'm just saying it's not going to win you. It's it's not going to keep your your teams in contention as much. You want to have you want to have not only a low ERA, but that strikeout to walk ratio is something I look for a lot. If it's i or six doing well if it's
0: if you're walking if you're striking out twice as many guys as you want that's not that great yeah there's not as much control as you want over the over the opposing battles definitely I mean it's, it's not you, you don't have that you don't have that dominating guy you know these are you know these are still developing guys but that's that's why I was wondering like what you know are we going to see any, any type of progression like that in the way from from the you know from any of these guys in particular you know consistent on a consistent basis you know if, if it is that's another reason why you can't really take for granted you know the results of the of the White Sox right right now because it's like you know, they, they're going to have their ups and downs because for, for me, you know, for as good as they've been hitting, as good as we've seen, you know, the production from, you know, the likes of Anderson and, you know, and 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 up and down that order, you've been seeing guys do some things, do some things well, their pitching is still betraying them, you know, and against, you know, uh, the best competition, the better competition that they had.
1: No, you're exactly right. I mean, the most just looking at the innings pitch per game started for the four got for the four starters, because it's really four man rotations now, nobody's averaged more than five and a third a start. Mm. And the M L B is changing in terms of how much starters pitch, um, how late in games they go. But it still means something to have a starter that can pitch at least six innings. Definitely. yeah. And it, it had been a while until this week between White Sox starts where a starter went into the sixth or the seventh. Giolito getting into the eighth last night was a near miracle. At, really, that's what you're looking at. You know. The bullpen can be bullpens can be bought now. You buy a bullpen, you really do. Yeah. Um, there's not many bullpen guys who are getting long term contracts. Well, it's about what the Sox are doing in those first six innings from the pitcher's mound and on defense. And that's why that ERA and even the, the fielding independent pitching stat uh, is more, it's more of an advanced metric um, that really uh, works out how, how well can pitchers prevent home runs, walks, hit by pitches, and how many guys they strike out. So basically the base percentage versus strikeouts. Those were still above three for Rodon and Giolito, above four and five for Nova and Lopez, respectively. Okay. And even for Benuelos, it's above five. So that's not, in simple terms, that's not what you want. You want your pitchers to have that stat below, at three or below, and ERA at this juncture. So about the same, below three. It's going to be. It'll either be. I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm. I'm trying to keep it simple. I'm. I'm still concerned. That was what I was looking at going into the season. How would Giolito do? Could he reduce his walk totals? How would Rodan do? Could he could reduce his walk totals? Would Lopez be able to duplicate the performance he put up in uh, last season? And would Ivan Nova show that he might be worth, you know, even a two or keeping him on? Could he regain some of the form that he had way back in New York, and for a little bit of time in Pittsburgh? And we haven't really seen that yet. We right. haven't seen that so far,
0: right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of questions. You know, it's, it seems like like you say you got to take the Sox day by day and series by series. It's it's kind of interesting that the, over the next, they're in the middle of a stretch now where. They're playing, they're playing uh, the Indians. Then they're playing the Blue Jays. Then they're playing the Indians again. Then the Blue Jays again. So they're going to get a lot of familiarity with those two clubs. I don't know what what's that going to mean in the overall scheme of things, but this may just be a time where, you know, we can uh, take solace in knowing that. We'll get to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. some, and uh, you know maybe reel off some more wins against against the Indians, who you know for what it's like I say for what it's worth, just seem to allow the Sox to compete well with them. So yeah, I don't know what's what's going to be much to take from the next couple of weeks, but it may be just may just be a time for to heal up and stuff. Uh, Eloy. Um, you know, I, I, I guess the news has been okay with him uh, on the mend, so uh, you know maybe we'll see him back in action soon. And um, you know, just keep on looking at guys on, looking at guys on the farm. You know, Luis Robert and other guys like that on the farm is, there's pretty much uh, the, the life of a White Sox fan right now. You can you're looking at things from all angles because you're trying to see get a grasp of just what this rebuilding process is. But to see a team, again, that is not so bad is a plus. And, you know, it gives you reason to check them out. They, like I said, day-to-day and series-to-series is not so embarrassing as it was maybe last year and some other years. So, you know, I, I guess I don't know anything else that <laughs> – You're gleaming from the Sox right now?
1: Well, the the hitting has been – the hitting started out pretty well. I mean, well, let me take that back. Tim Anderson was the face of the franchise for the first month. You can't take that away. He started to cool off now. Yeah. So, for Tim, it'll be about showing that that wasn't a fluke, whether he can make adjustments. And over the past couple of games, he's gotten himself on. He's taken advantage of some some things with – defensive shifting and defensive placements, but he's he's, but he's showing that he can make adjustments off of the pitchers. Jose Abreu started to heat up. Johan Mercado went through a short slump, and now he's getting back on track. Those yeah. three guys are difference makers for the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez, when he came up, was cold the first couple of days, and then started to hit um, started to hit pitches that were in his wheelhouse, what I really liked about him is that he was hitting a lot of mistakes hard. And then it came to New York and he got those two home runs and the rain, through the raindrops. Right. And he was really showing progress before that injury. So you just want him to come back healthy and you want the hitters in the lineup because these are the guys that we know are going to be here, Anderson, Mancata, hopefully, in my opinion, Abreu and Jimenez. You want, you know, you want to see them be able to hit the best of the best. Carlos Carrasco tomorrow night has always handcuffed the White Sox with that really, really good um, slider. Uh, I believe you it's either a slider or curveball or both. But he's always handcuffed the White Sox. He's a power pitcher with a great breaking ball. And if they can hit him tomorrow, well, that one is a series win, no matter what happens tonight. And two, it's a really good sign of progress. They've got Marcus Stroman coming up this week as well, another solid pitcher. And so it's about how the Sox batters can do about the best of the best. When
0: they face the best pitchers in the league, how well do they hit? Right, right. Yeah, we'll be interested to see, definitely. Uh, right down there, down uh, 3-1 to Cleveland and uh, Shane Bieber on uh, on the mound for the Tribe. So we'll see how this game plays out if they have any late game heroics, or any rallies in them. But uh, well, let's, let's let's turn it over uh, to the Cubs. Uh, we'll turn it over to the Cubs actually after a little break here, and uh, they're they're starting off against uh, uh, Florida, third of their four game series. But uh, we'll a lot a lot of. A lot more nuanced stuff, I think, to talk about with the Cubs, in particular, uh, one returning uh, shortstop of controversy. We're going to get into that uh, right after this. Good people with back. Kyle Means, Chris Pennett, talking baseball here. War on Anchor, giving y'all uh, the latest. Some of our latest takes on the North Siders and the South Siders. We gave you the South Side point of view, uh, just uh, you know, over the break there, and uh, now we're gonna get into the North Siders. Uh, they're playing that third. Like I said, they're playing the third or four against my uh, Miami and, uh, you know, coming off of a big weekend where they, they uh, swept St. Louis and, uh, you know, rose up to first place in the NL central, uh, really the, the crescendo of a, of a big run they've been going on the past few weeks, really getting themselves out of a, a deep hole that they were in, in the first couple of weeks of the season. And, um, you know, they, had a bit of a dud in, in the Monday game against Miami, uh, let uh, let them come back late in the game, in the ninth inning in particular, and uh, lost that one. Uh, again, you know, Pedro Stroke was sort of the GOAT there and, uh, you know, sort of showing another – showing of their issues that they have on the back end of their bullpen. Uh, yesterday, more of a, a late-game heroics, again, from uh, – Chris Bryant, three-run homer in the ninth got them, to, secured them the win. Uh, they had, you know, almost – but they almost got – couldn't take advantage of uh, having John Lester out on the mound, which would have not been a good look for them. But uh, in the end, they got the win. And um, like I said, they're starting today, starting with, – actually within 10 minutes ago, they've started – at Wrigley start a little early because of a, a projected rain here in Chicago. They want to make sure that they get this game in. And, um, yeah, this, along with the rain and the thunder and the lightning and everything coming in, also is the return of Addison Russell, which has been a, uh, a return of quite a bit of, uh, you know, quite a bit of discussion uh, in the media here in Chicago is really going back to, you no, know, it's been for the longest part. There was uh, some previews to this, in spring training. Cause he was of course able to play in Arizona with the team and everything. And that was his first welcome back uh, unofficially, but he still had to serve his 40 game suspension for uh, the, the in- incidents that he had uh, apparent abuse with his, uh, ex-wife and everything, and uh, yeah, it's just now he's, you know, after he served those 40 games, now, uh, you know, did some time in Iowa, and now he's back on the big league club, and Chris, uh, as I bring you back in, you know, what are we to, to make of, of all this right now? It's like, you know, I think we, we when people think of a lot of the issues with the Cubs overall right now, and a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, their their public relations and the way that they, you know, certain decisions that they made as a franchise and as a ball club that aren't really sitting well with people. And I think at the top or near the top of those decisions for a lot of people is, uh, you know, the allowing Addison and Russell to return to the ball club. So, you know, from from your point of view. Uh, what uh, you know? What do you think about you know uh, in, in general that decision and what it means for this club? I don't want to mention words. I think the club should have cut
1: him. handled it badly. They've, they've continued to handle it badly with the news coming out that they were putting pressure on reporters and media personnel who were questioning the decision to bring him back aboard. It's it's not it's a bad look for them. Um the Cubs are more the Cubs have a more liberal fan base than the White Sox. I wanna get that out. I'm a White Sox fan, but there's a questionable element to our fan base in terms of prejudice and outright racism and probably views on things like domestic violence. It's not it's not it's not local or exclusive to the White Sox in terms of major league baseball fan bases, but it's something that I've seen and personally. The Cubs, from what I've seen and my experiences with people who are Cubs fans in my personal life and experiences at the ballpark, are more liberal in their politics and their outlook than the White Sox. So this is a double whammy for the Cubs to do this. Addison Russell is not... He was a great... He's a a great piece for them. Offensively and defensively. He's not going to hit for a high average. But he'll get timely hits and uh, extra base hits, which is what they needed when they won the World Series. He's a good defender. He makes flashy plays, and not only does he bring people to the ballpark, he makes he has he's one of those guys on the infield that they have, which is Bryant, Russell, was Russell when he was there, Baez, um, who can make a great defensive play that few others in the league can. His range and his arm. But what he did was is it's unconscionable, it's inexcusable, and the way that he himself handled it was unconscionable and inexcusable. And now the way that the team has handled it is
0: wait for it, unconscionable and inexcusable. So, <laughs> okay, there's no reason for him to be on the
1: team. There's other guys who can hit 220, 230 for you and hit twenty five home runs. If you got to lose that guy in favor of in, in favor of if you have to lose that guy, and the only other consideration is winning baseball games, then you lose that guy. This is not the time to. Uh, this is not the time to go for one year's worth of glory in favor of morals decisions. This is a, you got to change your business model for better or for worse. The Kansas City Chiefs have decided to let go of two of their more dy- most dynamic players offensively because of domestic violence issues, plus, in one player's case, lying about it. And this is a team that was minutes away from the Super Bowl last year, who has one of the poised to be greatest quarterbacks of this next decade who would be throwing to them. And they said, we got to, you know, it it might be a PR decision for them, but it looks good. It looks much better for them than than this. They said, we're going to let those guys go. And the chips fall where they may. That's a big choice for them to make. But it shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be one for the Cubs. Just to use that as a comparison, the Cubs should not not waver over this
0: decision. You got to let Addison Russell go. Russell is starting tonight as I look at the uh, lineups they're showing on WGN. Uh, Russell's uh, hitting eighth. And, um so he's out there we'll see how the reaction is from the the fans in Wrigley uh as he as he gets to the plate and everything I guess they've already seen the out in the field because uh Mons are pitching now but uh we'll see uh no we'll see the reports from that coming up but uh yeah it's it's it, I, I definitely agree with you, and I see what you're saying. I think there's there's room for sort of a devil's advocate role. I I believe where you know that where if if you want to you want to think that the Cubs are you know you not you not want to be so completely cynical as to think that the Cubs are only doing this because they they think it's for the better of the team in the wins or losses way. They may also be doing this because they think it's better for the psyche of the team. As in regards to this is a guy who was seen as a cornerstone, or or at least an important stone in the development of this team, as it that wound up winning the World Series and wound up being a a, you know a, a team of the ages for the Cubs and. You know, they went through they've been through a lot with Russell and, you know, you could you could you could think, given their actions that, you know, because everyone who is in charge now has been in charge with him throughout his career as a cub, that there's an attachment there and that they don't necessarily want to just throw him out with, you know, so much trash, even even if Russell has been acting you know like trash. You know, they don't want to treat them as such. And they want to give them that proverbial second chance, which uh, so many are afforded in, in life and in uh, in America, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, how. Can I, can I interject on that point? Go ahead. So if you compare it to another football player, because these are the examples that come up,
1: um, when Michael Vick went in for dogfighting, and I think it was 2007 or maybe 2008. I was on a college campus, and I was with—I was in uh, Central Illinois. And i have i never had a pet myself. We've had like a, we had like—we had a turtle for a week. Uh, we had cats before I was born, but I've never had the same attachment to pets that many of my classmates had, and many of the people that I've met have. So there was an uproar when he was arrested. And charged were uh, running a dogfighting ring. and the reaction was visceral you remember it, you know know what it was about the reaction was really visceral but Vic served his time he went in he did his federal prison time and then came out and made amends as best he could in terms of the uh, money that he donated and actions that he took to show that he was a better person that he wasn't treating dogs like the, the same way that he was before he wasn't treating dogs like play things to be discarded treating them as you should treat animals right. now it's not to say that Addison Russell has gone on and come out and been finding women on the street and you know abusing them but the his actions and, and from what we see from what we see they don't seem as contrite as, as I guess you know, it's, it's, we gotta go as society with like the tough part is that there's a lot of a lot of this is the societal barometer. And, you know, even 10 or 15 years ago, probably, there wouldn't be as much of, of an uproar or a backlash or a um, tepid response than bringing him back tepid at best. Yeah. But time change. Like I said, with, with other players, with Roberto Osuna, for a baseball example, times change. Not every Astros fan was happy that they got him for the stretch run last year because of what he had been charged with and the news that had come out about his domestic violence with his girlfriend or his significant other when he was in Toronto.
0: Hey, you could go, you could go with the Rogers Chapman and uh, for the 16 exactly. Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just threw out what I said as, you know, like I said, sort of a devil a- advocacy uh, point. And, but I, I, I do actually think if you were to ask a lot of the Cubs, especially the ones who have been around for the majority or, or the entirety of Russell's career, I, I would think that some of that is in play. But you're you're very right. You're 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 completely right about the level of contriteness or the lack of that Russell has shown, and he's been very much and beyond that, he's been very much protected by his club. And right. you know that's something that if you're if you're a baseball player who is was who aired on on the um, the bad side of of our societal norms, you may look at that and be like, wow, I'm glad I I wish I could have been protected like that from my club. Or, or if you were, you know, were uh, some other player on another, in another team, on another sport who, who just got caught out there and, and let go, you, you may you know wish that you were being treated the way that Russell was treated. So that's sort of a lucky thing for him. I don't know what he's going to make of it and the fact that and the fact is, you know, like by his the discussion that he's had, the the interactions he's had with the media, and and beyond that, he hasn't like he hasn't taken on any uh, any advocacy type actions, like like you said with Vic. Vic was very public, and I I think he very much had to be because of just of how much just how visceral the uh, opposition was against him when. He came across his his trials and tribulations, but uh, you know Russell is sort of getting off getting off a little bit scot free here because while there is a vocal uh, you no know, disappointment among certain media and certain Cubs fans, yeah, like you say, for some reason it's just not as public of a of a of a, a fight that's going on with with Russell. As there was with uh, Vic in in that particular in that particular thing, or even as it as there's been with uh, that you get with NFL players overall when they're connected to some sort of physical violence against women. I think the the NFL that's just much more of a battleground than in in that sport than there is in any other sport, including baseball. Even though in baseball you've had stories pop up repeatedly about certain players, you know, having done things like this to wise, like if you pay enough attention, you hear it almost year after year, you're hearing these certain stories. And, you know, we, I think, you know, as me, as, as voices in the media, you know, we should call on baseball and call on the Cubs, you know, individual teams be it the Cubs, whoever to know to, do something to these guys, you know, when, when they, when they run a foul. And, um, I guess, you know, baseball may look at it like, yeah, we did do that. We suspended the guy and, you know, he, he, he came back, you know, he, we can't, you know, we can't put him in prison. We can't do much else, but suspend him, And, you know, but I don't know. It's just, it's just, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth going forward. And, uh, you know, if, if Russell goes out there and he becomes a, a, a key cog of another pennant run this year, it's probably gonna fade much more in the background. But you know, what's most important that we all have to keep in mind is the way he acts towards his family and the way he acts towards his towards the women in his life going forward. If if he doesn't show, at least in his actions, that sort of uh you no know, contriteness, or you know, uh, you know, that's that some sort of, of some sort of ability to to progress and go forward. Then uh, you know he's going to be. He, I think he knows just what the stakes are. I hope he knows what the stakes are, and they should be very high for him. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, to say there as, as we you know we can transition off of that. And um, go just go to the Cubs as a whole with their play. Uh, they're you no know, first place team again after the Tuesday win. Um, you know what what what, what do we make of, what do we make of them overall? You know, they as a team that's willing to even take on certain things like this Russell this Russell uh, controversy. You got to figure that they're over overall are confident in their structure as a, as a club, but they still have issues. They, they have issues in the bullpen. They, uh, you know, you you can maybe say there's some issues in the back of their, of their starting, starting pitching staff too, but they've come out, they, they come out well in the past, in the past few weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, is this a, a team that can be, uh, that can keep up with Milwaukee and St. Louis for the remainder of this season? Do you think so? I do. Um, their starting pitching is,
1: is still one of the best in the, in the National League at the very least. Uh, ignoring you, Darvish's 579 ERA, which is deserved, uh, he hasn't been a good pitcher so far this season except for maybe one start. Yeah. One well, less like uh, a up candidate so far. Um, Kitana is right at the. You know, this is the Jose Quintana that we saw on the south side. This is what uh, Cubs fans have been uh, annoyed about. Finally, that they've, they've, they've waited since the midseason trade to get this guy, and now they have him. Cole Hamels, for all his faults, uh, more importantly, Ken, is a good pitcher. And Kyle Hendricks is—he's going to give you innings. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to walk a lot of guys. He's another good pitcher to have. He's the guy on the in the rotation for them
0: that I would love to have uh, as a White Sox pitcher yeah. as a fan, just
1: because, like I said, he doesn't walk a lot of guys, even if he doesn't strike a lot out, and he doesn't give—he doesn't give up a lot of home runs.
0: Yeah. So that pitching staff, the starting pitching staff has righted the ship from early
1: in the season. And the same is, the same goes for the, the, the lineup. I mean, this is Jason Hayward is finally making that deal look worth it. Javier Baez has been on another planet.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, Chris Bryant is bringing things around. Anthony Rizzo is about the same, you know, about what you'd normally expect. Maybe his batting average is a little bit low. But if you look at the, the, the OPS for the Cubs lineup, Two guys, Contreras, who is a great player, and Baez have an OPS above one. Uh, Rizzo is above 900. Bryant's a a few notches below that. And Hayward is a few notches below 900. Um, Daniel Descalso, you don't expect him to to be a great uh, run hitter or run producer for you. So his his adequacy is fine. Schwarber is a hole for them, and uh, as just in the discussions with my man, with our man Gene from the Bigs he wants to see more from Albert Almora and I do too, I've liked him since there um, I've liked him since he came up from Iowa a few years back, his defense in center field is outstanding sure. and he always struck me as a guy who could hit 300 and drive in 80 runs for you but what Gene says is that he's not making the adjustments at the plate that he needs to and he's 25 years old so time is getting short for him to do that but overall that Cubs lineup is always so dangerous. Um, for better or for worse, for better or for worse, Russell will make them. Will be another guy that you can't necessarily pitch around. Uh, ben Zobrist is coming. He's having a down year for him, and he's kind of getting too close to his his time in the league being over. But he's always a guy who'll give you a quality at bat. And the lineup is a bit thin. After that, we'll see what happens with Ian Happ if he comes back up. Over David Bodie or a couple of the other guys on the bench, but from one through nine, it's just it's a lineup that you can't you can't ignore anyone, and the pitching staff is going to make things tough for you on a daily basis. I don't see any of those guys, those four guys that I mentioned in the starting five, faltering as the season goes on. Something would have to happen to Lester or Quintana for them to have a real difficulty. The NL Central is going to be a tight, I think it's going to be a tight race Not with, um, I know you mentioned uh, Milwaukee, which made the playoffs over the Cubs last year, and the much improved Cincinnati Reds, and as much as you might like to, you can never forget about the Cardinals, mm-hmm. as they will pull 6,000 rabbits out of their hats and be right in playoff contention come September with guys that you've never heard of before. So it's going to be difficult, but I think they have the guys to do it. Yes. i I got fifty bucks riding on it. that says they won't, but
0: I, I think they will. <laughs> what? Okay. What was this? What was this bet that you made? Oh, I, I put up money uh, with Gene on opening day
1: that uh, it was a parlay that Deloitte Jimenez would hit twenty five home runs, Tim Anderson would steal thirty bases, and the Cubs would not make the playoffs. So a three, a three, a three uh, back
0: to parlay. For fifty bucks, and I'm fairly confident in those first two. Yeah, um, Timmy already got twelve steals and he hasn't been caught yet. But the Cubs have turned things around now, so I'm kind of ho- I'm kind of hoping for a bump in their road. Yeah. So you you just give yourself all the reasons to root against the Cubs. You're already a Sox fan, but you just put you put down this parlay, and now you're really gonna be rooting against them. I, I'm not mad at you, man, but that's that. W- you, you, like you say, you are looking good on the socks pick, the socks part. So that, but man, yeah, the, the Cubs are. The Cubs are, I think they were. They're going to be willing very much to to ruin that for you, man. And and there's. You know, I'll never. I'll never be reticent
1: about voicing the fact that I am not a Cubs fan and I hate the Cubs. There's friends of mine who are Cubs fans. Y'all are my friends. Y'all out there. Y'all know who you are. you're my friends. But this is just a part of baseball that I like. It's part. It's a part of the game where I can dismiss rational thought and say, hey, I don't like your team. I don't <laughs> have to like your team. I don't have to be happy when your team wins. Sure. It's a divided city in that sense. And it doesn't have to be this bad thing or this ignored thing. Mets fans understand what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Mets fans know full well what I'm talking about. Where the other team in your city is more well known and more well liked on a wider basis than you, and for the most part, you feel slighted or ignored because of it. Yeah. So this is that. This is this is a manifestation of that. I will be cool with all of y'all, but I'm not messing with your team. And I hope the
0: Cubs lose. I'm, on any given day, I hope the Cubs lose. That's it. To be a to be a Sox fan on on that level to be. Uh, devoted to the Sox in that way is always to feel like you're an insurgent in Chicago, you know, baseball circles. Like you're always fighting for, fighting for ground. And, you know, that the Cubs, that Cubs fans seem to think is theirs by birth. And then you have all these empties, uh, you know, People who come from other areas of the of the nation and stuff, and you know when when they come into Chicago, they're more likely to you know reside on the North Side, and then they become transplant Cubs fans and stuff. And it's like you know, they, and and then you have all these sort of slights that happen in the national media with things like you know ESPN forgetting that the White Sox even won the championship. And you know all these little, all these little gripes and things that that are easy to see if you're a White Sox fan, but uh, you know the typical Cubs fan may ask, tell you to get over it, you know, and uh, you know say that you're not having having that bad. There's you can make some parallels to some other, uh, you know, deep rooted, uh, you know, fissures in American society, but we may just settle that for. Uh, you no know, save that for another broadcast. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's just how it is in Chicago. If you if you listen to this and you don't necessarily know what the deal is, that's though know, Chris speaks to a lot of that in I think in his fandom. So it's just how it is. You know, you gotta hope for uh, for better days for your team and uh, you know sort of at the same time hope against uh the other side. You know, some some people just won't be happy. Some people are more happy when the other side is losing than they are when their side is winning. That's, that's a, there's a lot to that in Chicago. And I know those. I remember those days fully. Um, I I feel
1: that it's about equal for me. I want the White Sox to win just as much as I would like the Cubs to lose. But there is a, there's still a part of me from. Um, From way back, I want want both teams to be good at the same time. So I really do want the White Sox to get better in a hurry to coincide with this stretch of Cubs contention so that both can make the playoffs and we have the chance to say Chicago is the only city in the country where baseball is being played right now. To have a recreation of that long-gone 1906 World Series would be my dream because that would be the one way to say in my lifetime, for better or for worse, whether the White Sox win or lose, who is the best in the city right now? It's bragging rights. It would kill me if the White Sox lost. But it would be the sweetest feeling in the world if the White Sox won.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, the, the, a, red, uh, a Red Line World Series would be maybe the most polarizing but at the same time, amazing sports event that Chicago could have. So, you know, we we can, we could dream, you know, we, as Sox fans, we, you know, we never, we didn't think it was out of, we didn't necessarily think it was possible before 05, but 05 happened. And, you know, it was, there was not there was nothing that led to that that was like, okay, this is going to be, you know, until we got to that year, that's what I'm saying. But you know, it's not being a Sox fan. It's not like you're thinking every year that that you're going to be uh, in contention for for winning at all. But you know, it's it's a hard life. It's a hard life, and the Cubs are, have only gotten to this point really recently where they can feel that they're entitled to compete year after year. So to have both teams be in that position will mean a lot for Chicago overall. And the, to have a world series like that is, you know, it would be, a, it's, it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how that could play out, man. It's, I'd be a little worried in some, in some ways, but I think we'd, we'd all get it together in some way, you know. And until then, we do have the Crosstown Classic, the Cup or whatever, and uh, those games will be coming up uh, in the next month or so, I believe. Uh, so we'll we'll get a taste of that uh, between the Cubs and the White Sox. But until then, uh, we'll talk more baseball down the line here on uh, War on Anchor. The guys, thanks to Chris for stopping in, man, and, and chatting up with me. And uh, this is Kyle Means, no doubt. Um, like I said, we'll see you on the base pass, man. See you on the park.